My name is Matt Brown. Let me address something to some of the haters out there about me. Y'all can kiss my ass. And let's start the show. AC, what does it feel like being up on stage and all the baddies yelling your name and all the niggas <laughs> going crazy? It feels amazing. a better place because you are here to join us. My name is Matt Brown and I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. It is Thursday, July 13th, Thursday the 13th, 2023. We have another edition of the Tweet Cap for you. A lot is going on in the internet, in our world, and there's stuff that we have to comment on, give our opinions, have some laughs, have some profound moments, some what the fuck moments, some... Maybe some emotional moments at the same time, but we have to record this and we have to let you know what is going on in this crazy world of ours. But before we get into that, I just want to remind you to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content regarding this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod, TikTok, Facebook, and YouTube at Productive Conversations. So this was initially going to be an MLB midseason show, but we are going to push that to next week. So don't worry there. A MLB midseason show next week for sure. And then we'll have our movies episode the year in movies so far talk about the summer blockbusters to early powerhouse dramas and maybe some emmy not wait not maybe we will talk about the emmy nominations that were released today and who should be the ones taking the statues definitely the bear succession and better call saw have to be highlighted and then yeah but by after that next week the week after is the last full week of july already and then it's going to be august and then august is the dog days of summer then that turns into september the best summer the best weather month of the year here in the northeast which also includes the start of the football season and we ironed out the details on what we're exactly going to do with football this year we are going to uh, hey i'll announce it now And obviously, I'll remind you when we get closer to it, but we are bringing back our weekly NFL show, and we're also bringing in a college football weekly show. So we're not only doing an NFL show, but we're also doing a Division I college football show covering the Power Five conferences, the top 25 schools in the nation. And of course, we'll pay attention to NEC football because, uh, you know, the great Tommy Brown, who is my amazing brother, is a part of that conference. So... We're going to do that starting next year. The NFL show will be released to you on Wednesdays. The college football show will be released to you on Thursday. And then either Monday or Thursday, we will do our non-NFL show. So three shows a week this fall after Labor Day all the way until the beginning of... February, or I guess the middle part of February at this point. And yeah, we are getting ready for the fall indeed. And then for the rest of the summer, we're obviously going to just cover some other things and have some fun before we really start our busy season. And we head to our goal of a thousand YouTube subscribers by Super Bowl Sunday. That's the goal. Obviously, grow the subscribers on our podcast and platforms. And then, you know, keep adding to our social media numbers as well and just keep on growing this brand we have so we are recruiting some new faces in there and hey if you're interested to be part of the nfl or college football show hit me up 
either email me productive conversations podcast at gmail.com email my personal email mbrown3212 at gmail.com whatever you feel uh, send a dm on my instagram at productive conversations podcast or that's the show's instagram or my own personal one at matt brown 300 as well hit me up on twitter at matt brown 31 if you have anything to say about the show and if you want to be part of it just let me know on those platforms so that's going to take care of what we have today for announcements and then this is a tweet cap episode and i'm really excited for this tweet cap in particular ryan page is joining us and our rundown includes talking about the rise of threads and twitter and if twitter really is you know in danger so this is that big episode where the tweet cap itself addresses the well the problem with twitter you know the tweet cap really is more about just trending topics on the internet itself and um all that stuff but we have seen how much it has evolved and now twitter is at risk apparently so we will digest that we will get into the airplane freak out story with that girl who i must say um has really caused a stir on the internet and she is one pretty girl but um you know what did she really say and what caused that outburst so me and ryan will get into that andrew tate and tucker carlson talk to each other jonah hill's uh relationship issues or past relationship issues will be discussed barbie heimer that is turning into probably one of the most fun non-serious non-stressful things on the internet especially for film lovers like me that's going to be delved into and we will dive in a little more with chris next week when we talk about the year of movies and tv so far but um we have to just address how crazy the internet is going for this and uh hard knocks that's coming back for another season and it's gonna include the new york jets made official today and yeah we will really soak up that in but initially that is gonna be really awesome to see plus you have quarterback on netflix that was released as well today so we pretty much have everything we can watch as well as training camp coverage and yeah the NFL season is really starting. So a lot of good stuff. We have something for everybody in this tweet cap. We have sports stories, entertainment, news. I guess if you want to count threads as a tech story, it is. So, yeah, a lot of good stuff. It's going to be fun. Ryan Page is with me. So let us start another edition of the tweet cap. Ryan Page, it's your turn again. Here we go. Matt from Norwalk. Uh, let's see. Matt Brown wants to know. This is a very productive conversation. It's the middle of the summer. Lots is going on all over the place. And we got stories on this edition of the Tweet Cap from all walks of life. Ryan Page is here with me to talk these things. What's up, Ryan? How's it going, man? It's hot this summer, man. It's hot. Yeah. It's I don't little... know about you guys, but it's been hot down here. Yeah, it's been pretty brutal in the Northeast. And um, as they say, like they they... It physically was the hottest day on record for planet Earth, I believe, right? Fourth of July weekend was like the hottest ever. Yeah. You know, I don't want to create any paranoia for those environmentalists there, but you know, 
they are making their case as the years go by. But I guess we'll worry about that later when we have our doomsday <laughs> tweet cap. That's it. Probably for another 80 years. But what's great about this edition to start it off, Ryan, is that this is a, this this show is called the Tweet Cap, even though it's really evolved into a trending topic story. But initially it was Twitter based, but has braced for the whole internet. And yeah. now Twitter is genuinely in danger, it seems, with all the pushback for Elon's new vision for Twitter. The policies he's created, limiting view count, uh, limiting post views, um, creating actual payment plans and subscription plans on Twitter for something that was free. And despite all the tension it has caused since its inception, well, not what the Twitter stuff but its people – at the end of the day, it really is a great source for news, entertainment, and all. Oh, okay, yeah. But after Elon specifically created, took over and has upset a lot of people, it's given people a chance to become a legitimate competitor. So what am I talking about? Twitter now has competition. You have Threads and Blue Sky, and I'm sure there's other platforms that I'm not member not that um I'm not mentioning right now, but definitely the big ones, Threads and Blue Sky and more focusing on Threads. Seems mm-hmm. like it can really take Twitter down. Listen, Productive Conversations has a Threads page now. Yeah. And as we promote it at Productive Conversations Podcast on Threads. <laughs> but we've come to the point now where the tweet cap will now have to talk about Twitter itself and the fact that it might I, – I, well, I, am, am I true dramatic to say it might go down, it might blow itself up? What do you think is happening with this new competition for Twitter and threads? So I, uh, as your comment section has pointed out, I'm not the huge, I'm not a huge Elon Musk fan in terms of what he's done with Twitter. I actually don't really, you know, it's mostly a Twitter based issue to be honest with you, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, so I was on threads within like five hours. I, mm-hmm. I was on threads very early. As soon as it was announced, I was like, I'm making a threads. And then I found, I thought it was, I, I was a day behind. I heard it was announced. I thought I had to wait till the next day. I found out that night that I didn't have to wait, that it had already started. And I jumped on right away. So um, I've been on threads a while. I was I'm still excited for it. It's a lot of fun. Um, but I would say that this show that we do as of right now, could not be threads based entirely threads does not have nearly as much news it does not nearly as much like it's not nearly as usable for finding things to talk about um so there's definitely a lot of differences there's definitely a lot of stuff like as, as much as i love threads and i do love threads it's a lot of fun um getting to see some of the folks that i'm friends with like on instagram in more of like a twitter setting and like in more of like a, a post setting or a blog, almost like a mini blog setting. Um, that's kind of cool. Um, and then talking about mini blog Mastodon is very similar. Um, but the well, one, th- uh, two things. First, it just doesn't have the functionality yet to like search for the news. Like that's not something you can do on threads yet. Like it'll come up eventually if you keep 
threading or whatever. Like if you keep going through, eventually if you follow a news source on Instagram, it'll show up. But um, it's not like Twitter where you can actively seek out trending stories and news and stuff. Mm. Also, my actual Instagram account has changed since I joined Threads. And I think it's because of Threads. So Really? Yes. So my Instagram pre this had a lot of obviously WWE content, uh, a lot of stand up comedy. That's the two things I pretty much focus on 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 Instagram is professional wrestling. Obviously, you know, everyone who knows me knows that and stand up comedy. I like to watch clips and all that. Um, and then because I watch so much professional wrestling, a lot of times collegiate wrestling actually shows up, which is interesting. I like to read the stats or whatever. Now. Because I follow some like meme pages on threads, all of a sudden I'm getting those pages on my Instagram. Like when I go when I on Instagram. And so it's definitely started, they're they're definitely more interconnected than I think I realized. And I that was actually my biggest selling point for threads. Everyone has one baked in pretty much. Like Blue Skies, the other one you talked about. I mentioned Mastodon. Uh, there's one called Hive. There's a bunch of other ones, but no one has those. So I joined this uh, Hive one just to check it out. Um, Blue Sky, I would, I couldn't get into. I had to wait because there's a wait list. So, um, and no one's on it. It's just random people complaining about other social media platforms. That's the entire platform. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Blue Sky is the same way or not. I don't know if you have a Blue Sky, but I'm assuming it's probably slightly better because that one's the one that gets like in Macedon, that's the one that like the super like left kind of politicos and news and media people talk about is like Macedon and Blue Sky. So I'm sure that's a little different. But for the most part, no one's on there. So like you can't see sports content. You can't see for me like WWE content. You can't see the stand-up comedians. This one you can because everyone has an Instagram already. You know what I mean? Instagram's already up there. So you literally just have to log on, connect your accounts. But I think if people start to realize how interconnected they are, that might give people some pause. I don't know if you've noticed that on your threads or not. The only thing I've noticed was on Instagram, you have that little link of numbers that pretty much says that's your link to your threads Threads. account. I mean, for me personally, I've just been posting threads the same time I post Twitter when we do all our social media stuff. Oh, yeah. That's just added to the list. So I really haven't really soaked in it in as much. I still like my Twitter. I still probably will use Twitter, (laughs) you know, despite this and you know it's our boy and we'll ultimately see where it goes but it threads is focusing on threads and any other social media that is giving up-to-date minutes uh some updates if you will or whatever the deeper meaning of tweets are but regardless um they have a ta- a hard task even though everybody's mad at twitter it's going to be really hard to bring them down. Yeah. They really have to self-destruct, if you will. So I was going to say, I think that I, I, I'm being real here. You know, Blue Sky, Mastodon, Hive, all these random ones that I've looked up when I was mad at the, the original mm-hmm. tweet limit that was set of like 300 or 600 or whatever. Um, uh, they don't have a shot 
at, at ever displacing Twitter. They just don't. If it's for the reason I said the content creators, it's the same reason that Elon making everybody pay was kind of stupid. It was actually, that was the argument that the celebrities were making. We actually had this conversation on the tweet cap at the time is that a lot of people go to Twitter to hear those people's tweets. Like those people are creating content on the app. It's a self-fulfilling cycle. The the people that we know, the people that we follow, celebrities, news people, whatever, they tweet something, we engage with it. And so they keep tweeting. And that's why people go on the app. Uh, that, that doesn't exist anywhere else. It can exist on threads because so many of them are on Instagram. And so, and they have obviously Mark Zuckerberg, they have a lot of money and infrastructure to back it up. So I think that threads is probably the most legitimate kind of like, alternative to Twitter, but I agree with you. I don't think unless, and I mean, you could argue that he's trying really hard. I mean, he's definitely, he's definitely turned Twitter into something that kind of sucks even more than it already did. I mean, we've said on this show when it was, even when it was just the tweet cap, when it was like, not just the segment, like Twitter does suck. It's not real life. It's meant to make you kind of mm-hmm. angry, at least the way that like, most people use it. Uh, I talked to someone the other day who was like, oh, no, I actually love my Twitter. I've curated it perfectly. So it's just things I like. I'm like, all right, well, if you can game the algorithm to make it your happy place, then go for it. Most people see stuff they don't like on Twitter. And that's the point. Um, and so, like, it's always been bad. He has made it less, like, even less enjoyable in my opinion i just because there's been less of the content that i did like and more content from creators i don't like and he's amplifying almost exclusively horrible creators like elon specifically is retweeting people who kind of suck like as people and as the content they create is bad and they're not doing good things so i want threads to work but i don't even know if what he's doing now is enough to actually take twitter down like I think what he's doing it all comes down to their cage match. (laughs) First of all, all right, Elon freaks, you are freaks. If you defend Elon Musk in the comments of this uh, reel, you're a freak, first of all. Second of all, Elon (laughs) Musk would get absolutely slaughtered. I I was, I mean, listen, do, do I think Mark Zuckerberg is a particularly tough person? No. Probably not. He's still a, a like a, a tech nerd. Like you know what I mean. He's still where would he go? MIT. Where would he go in that movie? Um, Harvard. Harvard. Whatever. Like it doesn't matter. He, he's still a nerd who created you know a tech company. So I'm not saying he's gonna win any actual MMA fights. I'm what CEO, I am saying bitch. Is, is that he's got literally 20 years or whatever it is. Not 20, but he's got like 15 years. He's 15 years younger than Elon. Elon's like 50, right? It's up to like that. You know, these ex- the most extreme billionaires don't even look like people. Have you seen Jeff Bezos? He literally looks well, like to, uh, the this rock. Is Je- Jeff Bezos is different. I'm not getting into Jeff. I'm, listen, I don't think Jeff Bezos has ever trained in MMA. I'm sure he hasn't. But yeah. I mean, that, that guy is yoked. So I wouldn't necessarily be so quick to count Jeff Bezos out. Elon Musk is doughy. And I'm a doughy guy. I'm not insulting doughy people. By the way, just to confirm, Elon is 13 years older. He's 52. Okay. Mark Zuckerberg's 39. Yeah, so Zuckerberg's not even forty, by the way. Uh, like, yeah. So, <laughs> he, and he trains MMA not for a cage match. Like, he does it as his like fitness thing because you know he's <laughs> and a, he actually he's, trains with active UFC fighters. Yeah, right now. like Elon. Listen, Elon's got a lot of money. He can absolutely talk to some UFC guys to actually train for a fight. I'm sure of it. But he's he's older. He's doughier. He's got absolutely no experience. 
And I'm going to say this. I bet you Elon's got a glass straw. I'm, I'm calling it right now. If they ever have the actual cage, but I mean, also, can I just say, if your response to getting called out for a fight is to ask for a penis measuring contest on mm-hmm. social media, that's weird. That's a weird thing to do. Very. I'm I'm going to fight you. Now nah, we're going to measure dicks. What? <laughs> that's silly. Anyway, Yo, this is what people this is. This is what uh, the world told us. Work hard. Don't give up. Pull this. So when you're the richest man in the world, you could say, let's have a dick measuring contest. Yeah. but Yeah. I'm not even going to touch it any further. I, I said my piece on that. I'm just saying, I think that UFC fight, I was confident it was going to happen. And then I just really thought about it. And Elon Musk stopped. I don't, he's not an idiot. He's a smart guy. He knows he'd get absolutely worked on uh in a fight with mark zuckerberg and so he's not going to do it and i hope i'm wrong i hope he does do it but i know i'm not wrong about the fact he's going to get absolutely worked (laughs) if they end up doing this fight there's not a chance this goes out of the second round if honestly that would be a victory if elon doesn't go out round one against someone who actually trains mma even just casually then i would be disappointed in that person but um no, uh, to to go back to what I was saying before I ran mm-hmm. on that rant about how doughy Elon Musk is, um, I think the way he's run Twitter has opened the door for threads to exist. I don't think he's run it bad enough for threads to surpass. I mean, I guess luckily he hasn't. Yeah, he hasn't run it so bad that it's going. Twitter's going to go away. I was going to say for threads to surpass it, but I guess you could argue. I mean, threads is the most downloaded app ever, right? That, that's facts. Is that is that the case? I know at this moment they've had over a hundred thousand, hundred thousand, million, million. Uh, yes. downloads and stuff. I mean, in, in compared to Twitter, Twitter reached that number in over years. But Twitter, is so, it's an old app, so it's really it's like apples and oranges. Like social media wasn't a thing. Like Twitter created the space, so it's hard to be like, oh, well, Threads went so much faster. Yeah, Twitter had to create the space. And then get 100 million people. Threads just had to join the space. Uh, and don't forget, too, it's all about the advertising at the end of the day. So see it right here. Many bit here on this article from CNBC that was published uh, this morning that many businesses have stopped advertising on Twitter over brand safety concerns. That's why you get the flashlight. And they are excited about the possibility of advertising on Threads once that option becomes available. So once the advertisers come in, that's when... Well, that's when we really will see the the battle. I will say threads already feels very corporate and branded, which I don't mind. Again, Mm -hmm. I use it a lot to follow corporate. Like I follow Netflix, right? I follow WWE and NXT. I follow AEW. Like I follow brands on my Instagram. And so I follow them on threads and I don't mind it because it's how I learn about things that are happening with brands I care about. But if you want to just see like a random person's like tweet on something, Twitter is probably still the better spot uh, for you. It does feel kind of corporate on the uh, thread side, my opinion. I don't mind that aesthetic. I, it is what it is. Corporations are going to use social media. It's where people are. They'd be they'd be silly not to. But um, yeah, I do think that if you're looking for a more authentic uh, air quotes for the people listening kind of user experience. Like you want to talk to people. I don't know if threads is actually doing that. Maybe the very beginning, you know, like day one, when I was on, it was just people like who's going to join, who's going to join. Like, this is so cool. And it was really cool. Like the first few days when not everybody was on, uh, like I was scrolling through it at work. Like it was very cool mm-hmm. uh, to have people just be like, wow, this is awesome. Like we're seeing something brand new, but now it's been, you know, a week as of today and it's uh you know 
it's essentially become, you know, I'm getting updates from celebrities. I'm getting updates from comedians. I'm getting updates from all the people I usually follow on Instagram, just written instead of pictures. Yeah, well, the story clearly hadn't has some time to grow. Oh, yeah. Whether we want to wait to see if this silly fight will actually happen, let's be real, it probably isn't. But if it were to happen, I'm sure that will be the real peak of this whole story. Or we'll just see two uh or we'll just see two uh two more tech companies going at it to see who takes it over. There was a point where Facebook and MySpace was compared and MySpace is long gone. Will it happen with yeah. Twitter and threads? I don't know. Only time I don't know. Time. I think again last last word on the subject. I think it's never wise to go against Meta. I think Clearly at not. the end of the day, I know that Elon is like the prototypical guy. Like if you thought about the guy, the tech guy in America right now, it is Elon Musk. Um, and especially because he's dived so deep into politics, like he is kind of part of the political conversation, more so than Bezos, more so than Zuckerberg. But uh, Mark Zuckerberg hasn't lost yet. And it's gotten hairy. People have tried to take him out. The United States Congress did it. Like, right, rightfully so in those cases, by the way. I'm not pro-Zuck, but, uh, you know, everyone, whether for good or for evil, a lot of people have come for Mark Zuckerberg and for Meta, and he's still around, and he's still apparently making moves that are changing the landscape of technology and, like, social, like, and not even just social media, in media. So I, I would, if I was Elon, I would be very, very hesitant about jumping into this fight because history has dictated that... Uh, Zuckerberg's not going to lose it. He doesn't Clearly. doesn't lose. Dude, you remember when the social network came out? The movie yeah. is 13 years old. It was back when we liked Mark Zuckerberg. Remember yeah, and that? it was a good it it really critics really talk about how and now I think it's fair you could say all these years later it really is a top movie of the 2020 2010s. Oh, yeah, it's an awesome movie. It's one of the best movies in that decade. It is a landmark movie. And yeah, that was a peak in uh, some true popularity for the Zuck and even if his influence has grown even more and you notice the keyword influence over popularity yeah um, no, it's not popularity anymore he's disliked by quite a few people it's uh, it's it's crazy how that movie I thought fell at the time was such a peak for him and it's only been 13 more years since that also launched a lot of people's careers that movie or like really helped a lot of people's careers Andrew Garfield Justin Timberlake did more acting. Andrew Garfield did more acting. Jesse Eisenberg did more acting. Like they all ended yeah, up getting David, way more. Um, Army Hammer before he ate all those people. Oh, that's a Remember bad one. Rooney Mara, another mm-hmm. one. That movie uh, helped a lot of people get you know kind of become a little bit more celebrities in the acting kind of world, right? Absolutely. And then obviously the great. Uh, why am I blanking on his name? Director, not David Lynch, not David Zucker, but. Um, not David Ortiz, uh, Ortiz. but I know. Obviously, Aaron Aaron, Aaron Sorkin wrote Sorkin, it, but yeah, he wasn't. But David Fincher, another it. one on his belt yeah. for his great career. Okay, Ryan, I want to talk about this interview that took place on the internet for Thanks those who really soak in the internet. Andrew Tate was interviewed by Tucker Carlson on Twitter. It was released earlier this week. Uh, Andrew Tate, yeah, heard of it. Now, Andrew Tate, 
but has somebody who has been known to promote in his worst traditional masculinity. And that has definitely had polarizing reactions to his teachings, if you will. Tucker Carlson, very controversial himself as well. So bring two of the most controversial guys on the internet on the brink of Andrew Tate being charged with human trafficking. Oh, he's been charged. That's happened already. And he, and he let me ask. So he, so his unfortunate for his, the sexual abuse and human trafficking well, uh, charges in Romania. Asked. Is he cleared of those? So no, he's still pending. He's still pending uh, trial in Romania. He's been charged officially. It's not. They're not pending charges. They are charges. He's got to go in front of a court, and they're gonna yeah, you know, okay. do the whole deal. Uh, he claimed, and Tucker gleefully just agreed with him. Didn't do any of his own research, apparently, which is pretty much on point for Tucker Carlson. That the trafficking is because he and his brother, or he's accused of him and his brother, are accused of making women make TikToks and taking the money. And then when asked, how did you make these women do TikTok? He said, by being nice to them. So that is the story he's going with. He's calling it the lover boy method. I'm going to assume I didn't do a deep dive into Andrew Tate. I could only take, I got through an hour, Matt. I got through an hour, <laughs> which I was impressed with. Um, I'm going to assume lover boy method is something he talks about in one of his, what his PhD program or his hustlers, you, uh, the two things that kind of made him famous on the internet for a while where he yeah. talks about either traditional or toxic masculinity, depending on whether or not you are a student or a regular person. Um, <laughs> but, uh, he, uh, yeah, he painted a very different picture than what I read. Um, surprise. Uh, I read that, uh, well, a, he said he has no history of criminality that the, the government or he calls it the matrix. Again, I'm assuming that's something that he talks about. Um, but Tucker seemed to understand it too. So who knows? Um, was just targeting him. And he, he went to, he talked about how he was 35 years old, like a lot for some reason, but uh, essentially he was like a 35 year old man without ever having done anything wrong in my entire life. And suddenly I was arrested uh, in 2016. He got kicked off the bachelor, uh, not the bachelor, big brother, uh, big Canada. brother. I mean, for, not UK. Uh, in the UK, yeah. he got kicked off of that for, two women coming forward and accusing him of rape. So uh, now, obviously, he didn't go to jail for that. So my assumption is the charges were dropped or not enough evidence, or maybe perhaps it wasn't true. I'm not saying any which way. I don't know anything about that case. But the idea that he's never done anything wrong and suddenly this happened, he's been charged. He's been accused relatively credible, credible enough that they kicked him off the show uh, of raping two women. So that's number one. Um, but number two is apparently he forced women to do only fans wasn't just tiktok it was tiktok as well but he forced women to do only fans so that's when you get into like the sexual content uh in addition apparently they weren't allowed to take breaks so there was also like labor laws being violated on the tiktok side of these of this thing but um he says no one has come forward to corroborate the state's um the state's side of things i i don't know enough again i read what i read on like rolling stone on vice cnn like i read what i could and then i listened to the interview uh so he definitely had more to say about this stuff than those uh outlets and i actually want to take the second to talk about that part of it because 
he went on and I, when I watched this thing today, after we talked about it and decided that one of us had to watch it so we could talk about it on Tweetcap, it was at like 60 million views. And it's reached 30 as of this moment. Just looked it up now. 30 million? thought it was yeah. more than that already. Uh, maybe he posted it twice then. I don't know. Oh, it could be more. I'm reading this. Um, why you? Say oh, you're that, reading something. Let me let me yeah. let me pull up the tweet uh, while I'm talking. And so, and I, I want to say something. So, a disclaimer for, for those listen. I know Andrew Tate is a very passionate fan base, and we do not have anyone at this moment to represent that fan base. So, I just want to make that clear. I'm somebody who, um, you know. I will go on the record saying that Andrew Tate is somebody that I have soaked in a lot of his content to try to understand him. And I don't understand. Him. So yeah, I'll just I, leave it at that. I am not incredibly familiar with Andrew Tate. I I've, I've seen basically seen Andrew Tate stuff third party. Like, other Oh yeah. I have people directly sending Andrew me Tate. his stuff all the time and uh, I've watched it, but oh, not he's, even not, he's, yeah. he's not for me. But um, I understand he's a passionate fan base that says otherwise. So I want to put that on the record before we continue. Basically, he's saying we get it. Don't be mad at us. Um, but anyway, <laughs> 61.4 million views on this video. There you day. go. So and then when I was reading Vice, when I'm reading Rolling Stone, when I'm reading MSNBC, CNN, CBS, when I'm reading everything, whatever was written on the arrest and even on this interview, the, the focus is on the toxic masculinity talks basically it's on his content uh they call it toxic masculinity i am inclined to agree based on what i've heard um but that's kind of missing the point he just went for two hours uninterrupted defending himself theoretically with lies i suppose i mean i found a few lies that i was able to see just by reading what people wrote and then hearing what he said and they were not the same but um like he went un uninterrupted and obviously in an interview with someone who's like doing a full interview, the interviewer would interrupt, right. And be like, well, what about this? We know that wasn't going to happen. Cause, and I will say this, I watched this video for an hour. Somehow the guy accused of human trafficking was mm-hmm. more likable than the host of the interview section. Tucker Carlson was absolutely horrific. If this is what he's like on this show, I've, this is the only episode I've seen of his new Twitter show. Absolutely horrific. Like he was like doing these weird giggles every once in a while. He, it was weird. It was super weird. I mean, his show was weird too at the time, but this is different. But anyway, um, just, he was, he was uninterrupted for like two hours because everybody just wanted talked to focus and talked and talked and I did listen to some of it too. Yeah, everybody but, just wanted you know. to focus on the content that he made. Like they're not they're not getting it because the people who listen to the con- you just said he has a passionate fan base, right? Yes, and they we do have and we do and we should do a you know how we did the Taylor Swift pod? We should do the Andrew Tate pod in the I, sense of I, understanding. You, if you can find another person to do the other side, then by all means, I, I'm i not engaging in an argument with someone who follows the teachings of Andrew Tate. I don't think it's a good argument to have. Um, but anyway, that's we can have that conversation offline. Um, mm-hmm. I will say, though, that his group, you know, his group, his base, his people, the people who follow him, they don't care what was written about him. They just don't. Like yeah, they they not... yeah, that's the one thing he really has 
a for lack well, of a better word cult fan base it's like, all of the, there's it's somebody the entire from, right wing of of america of american media really it, it's they're they're and i'm not saying everyone who's who's politically to the right i'm saying like the people who are in these spheres like taking in the right media like they're 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 rabid fans and not necessarily a negative way but you know like just in a i don't know it's Ryan. like I just chatted you the name of somebody from our hometown. We won't say. Did yeah. you see that chat? Did yeah. you see? There's a video of him saying Andrew Tate's um, views. It, I, I have to go, but I was seen it a year ago. But he pretty much was talking pretty some misogynistic comments, mm-hmm. and he was crediting Tate for the way he believed. I don't know if you saw that. I Regardless, it doesn't matter who the person is per se, but. Yeah. Uh, it's the influence of his fan base that they promote these things that uh, that some people consider these teachings misogynistic. You know, yeah. it, it being force, I... not force. What's it like? Like, like aggressive would be the right word. Yeah, I, don't, I just right wanna, word. that is the right word. But I think he, I think word. he's used he that uses. word. I think he he's says, used that word. But yeah. I don't think he sees it as a negative. He's like, yeah, you take what you want. I've I heard him say that four hundred times. Um, but I will I will say that. In the way that we are covering this interview, not me and you, but the rest of the world, we're ignoring something. And this is something that I, again, after listening to it for an hour, I could hear. He has a whole whole pitch to guys who are disenfranchised. Guys, mm-hmm. and I think for younger guys in particular, it can become a compelling pitch. I mean, he talks about getting yourself- Isn't that what cult leaders do? Yeah, no, seriously. He talks about these things. He talks about like- the disenfranchised man, right? He talks about a guy who's like, he's talking about a guy who's down on his luck. He's talking Mm -hmm. about a guy who doesn't feel proud, who doesn't feel accomplished, who doesn't feel the way he thinks he's supposed to feel like that's who he's talking about. And that's therefore who he's talking to either directly and trying to get them to do what he does to get themselves out of that or to other guys who are not there, but are worried about being there. And so they follow him to avoid being there. Right. Like, and it's a real thing. I mean, he talks about men's mental health and they go on this thing and Tucker Carlson does this weird thing about men killing themselves because they have to become women or something. Again, Tucker Carlson was the most unhinged part of this interview, hundred percent full stop, which is insane because Andrew Tate is like controversially known for being a bit like, out there with some of his views. So the fact that Tucker was the weirdest person in this interview was crazy to me, but this is not, that was Tucker talking about the the men committing suicide because they need to sit when they pee or something. Like, I swear to God, I'm not making that up. Um, Yeah. I've I've (laughs) seen that before, but, but but, uh, not Ben, um, but uh, Andrew Tate was like, he was talking about some of these things. And I'm like, if you're a guy and you do feel down on your luck and you do feel like you're not accomplishing something and you do have mental health problems. And I don't mean like, oh, you're mentally ill. I mean, depression. I mean, anxiety. I mean, you know, things like that. A lot of times you are supposed to just not have that. That is sort of the way you're supposed to be like and it's not explicitly said necessarily i'm not saying people are like oh you're a man you can't oh some men do so specifically other men if you're like oh i'm depressed a lot of other men would be like no you're not that'll just be the end of that conversation by the way but even not other men even you know institutions will be like okay and and they never really talk about it anymore like it's sort of supposed to be kept a secret like an open secret 
And so no one is talking except for this guy. And I mean, he's got a point of view that I disagree with, but if that's the only person in the space talking and that's the only person engaging with this group of people, what do you expect is going to happen? If no one says a word to you and you feel lost and you feel like you're trapped in the dark, and then one person is talking to the person who feels lost and trapped in the dark, you're going to gravitate toward that person. They don't know any better. Right. You're going to gravitate toward the only person you hear talking about it. And I think that that's, frankly, I think a lot of that's on other guys, first and foremost, because yeah. there are plenty of guys who are not misogynistic, certainly not to the, at least to the degree that, you know, Andrew Tate is basically, I mean, I'll just say it. I know you've been very diplomatic. Matt has been very diplomatic, so do not be mad at Matt. Andrew Tate <laughs> has, I think, provably been at least a little bit misogynistic. I don't know about the crimes. I don't know about any of the other stuff. Uh, like that's all going to come out in court. And if he's guilty, he's guilty. If he's not, he's not. That's that's how it works. Obviously, in Romania specifically. In Romania specifically, right? So, like, what if I'm he gets not, charged in America? I, well, I don't think he did anything in America. He lives in Romania, so that we know it. Well, yeah, I mean, but oh. he, he lives in Romania, so my oh, assumption okay. is that's why he got arrested there, is because he lives there. Um, but like, so again, if he's innocent, he's innocent. I, I'm not even going to touch that because. If you didn't commit a crime, you shouldn't go to jail. I'll say that. I will agree with that. I will say that just hearing him talk has said things that I find particularly misogynistic. But other men are not filling that void at all. They're not talking about it at all, about mental health. They're not talking about basically no one is copying to the fact that for everybody, including men, growing up is kind of hard, isn't it? You don't really know what you're doing. Men also historically are great at talking about it. So you don't know what you're doing. No one is telling you what to do. You you could feel lost. Some people don't, and that's fine. Some people do. And so I think a lot of it is on other men for not being more open about mental health uh, issues and not talking more about, yeah, sometimes it is difficult to grow up. Sometimes it is difficult you know, to do X, Y, or Z. But you know, here's what I did. And maybe it's not right or wrong, like maybe it's not the one size fits all approach, but just filling that space with other voices, I think will go a really long way to, you know, making, making that space smaller, essentially, for someone like Andrew Tate to be the only voice, right? Uh, But also, I think part of it is, uh, and this is what part is going to get me in trouble. I do think part of it is just a little bit, I don't want to say systemic, but it is part of just society. We don't yeah. talk about these issues for men specifically. I don't know why. I'm it's almost like society anyone. created this person. No, they didn't create the person. The, you want to get deep. Andrew Tate created himself. Uh, it was, you know, the he wanted to be famous and he did it. I mean, we know he wanted to be famous. He was on Big Brother. Big Brother is one of those reality shows where the only reason to be on it is to try and get famous. Like there's no skill set involved in big brother. You do fun little games. You have drama on TV. It is literally in existence only to try and become a celebrity. Uh, like there's, you know what I mean? It's not like American idol or the voice where you yeah, have to, to watch big like brother, or the American version for 20 years up until a couple no, of I mean, years ago. Yeah. I mean, it's great TV, but I mean, even think you've watched, you say you watched every for 20 I used years. to watch it. I used to watch it all the time and it's a terrible show now, but I don't watch but, it. Now. But in general, even before, but, even but yeah, you I like know, what you mean it's it's there to get influence for people yeah for it's sure. just there for people to try and become famous except for the uh super fans that genuinely want to be there but well, yeah, yeah most but in general for the I uh think, i know what you mean yeah and so obviously i don't think it's wrong to say that he wanted to be famous i think he's he proved that um you know through his actions even before 
you know, becoming the Andrew Tate that we all know and watch get arrested for uh, human trafficking. But um, I just think that for some reason we don't talk as much overall, not just other men, other men are a big part of this, but everybody doesn't talk as much about men's mental health. And so when we don't talk about men's mental health, when we don't talk about even just be just shy of mental health, talk about confidence, talk about these things. Cause I mean, there's a way to be confident without being misogynistic and your self-worth doesn't have to come at the expense of a different person's self-worth. I don't know if anyone, if this is the first time you're hearing that, I'm sorry, but it is also true. Your self-worth does not need to be directly tied to another person's in an inverse relationship. Yours shouldn't be going up because someone else's went down and vice versa. And if you're in any situation where that's happening, we'll talk about one of those potentially later, then you should get out of that situation as best you can. But I just think that we don't talk about this very much and it leaves a gap. And Tucker Carlson is filling that gap. I mean, he has his own man thing with the, you remember when he was tanning his testicles or whatever? Yeah. I'll say one thing. You have one uncredible interviewer to have this important guest. <laughs> I mean, seriously, what I've seen, Tucker didn't talk about the allegations. Not uh, at all. Hello. Not at all. Not he, at he all. talked about the TikTok. So again, don't. If you see Tucker Carlson, unless he's interviewing the ghost of Abraham Lincoln, you can't take his interview seriously. That's no, problem did number no one. Did no and, interviewing. And I think that's my gripe with this. You really have just two crazy people talking more, and you get crazy people to get these views, and it was a whole lot of a hullabaloo at the end of the day. And that's like Andrew Tate, despite his the criticism, and it seems like rightfully so, he did not have an opportunity to hold himself accountable. He did not have his opportunity to make himself more sympathetic. And he ultimately oh, he, did, he did that. I mean, to but to, to his do people. a good job to, so to his to people. His yeah. People. But but this so, is yeah, his chance to, to be more directly, yeah. relatable. And that's and that's the whole waste of time. This interview seems to be like it didn't yeah, accomplish 60 much. million views. That's all it needed to. Accomplish. I mean, sure. For, if we're going to do that, then. uh what? But Good seriously, that's all them. that's all Tucker wanted. He doesn't care yeah. about what Andrew Tate did. But yeah, I think that's that's the uh missed opportunity here. And did they do do you know when this trial is supposed to start in Romania? Uh no, they didn't they didn't get into that in the interview with the guy yeah. on trial somehow. Um so I don't know when it's supposed and to And I know who said this is your interview. You decide if you like Tucker, Tucker or not, or whatever the official word he yeah, said. Yeah, he does that at everything. He always says, I'm going to tell you the right-wing talking point for two hours, and then you decide if you agree with me or not. Like, You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and Which, whatever, I guess is technically true. And that's just the thing. And I hope eventually, whether it's you, whether it's somebody else, that we do have a debate on both sides with Andrew Tate. That's the thing we have to understand, because I hear both sides passionately you know, saying they're opinionated arguments and that's fine but we do need to bring these different parties together and I'll actually you, i'll do you break, one better break it down like do what's going better. on I'll, I'll do you one better and i will agree to do this this one uh i'll do it right here so everyone hears it i don't want to talk about andrew Tate. i don't care. i mean i understand why you do i don't care he's a guy at the end of the day we can all agree he's just a dude Maybe he's maybe he's a criminal. Maybe he's just a former professional kickboxer. We'll find all that out in the coming months 
as a Romanian court and jury decides his fate. But at the end of the day, Andrew Tate is a guy. He's just one guy with a marketing to get to this point. Oh, uh, yeah. Not 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 just because I don't like someone doesn't mean they're not very successful and all that stuff. I say that about Elon Musk all the time. I say that about all kinds of people. You can be very successful and be disliked by people. I mean, most successful people are, in fact. But I think that this issue that he talked about, the issue that he staked half this interview on with the men's mental health, I think that's an important issue. And I do think that that's an area where not enough people are talking. So if someone who likes Andrew Tate, not because he has the Maserati and because also this guy painted himself as a family man, married, kids, 35 years old. I've seen the rap videos I've seen the interviews. He talks like, you know, about going around with all these women. He talks about being a playboy. So again, that was all an act. So I, if you're that guy and that's why you like Andrew Tate, the lifestyle, the, the fast cars, the women, the rap, he does rap, right? I'm not making that up. Yes, I've seen some okay. of his music. So if, if that's Trash. the part you like, then that's fine. You do you. The internet is for everybody. That's just how it works in a, you know, a free society. I don't really want to talk to you. about that because i don't have anything to say about that if you want to talk about the fact that you feel that men in this country are suffering and a lot of from a crisis of confidence and from un i don't want to say undiagnosed but un kind of under resourced mental health crisis and that andrew tate is the only person offering a solution or that andrew tate's solutions are the right solution i will absolutely have that conversation because one that conversation could help people and talk about a productive conversation, hearing people talk about mental health and ways to work, ways they work through it, ways they work, not just through mental health, but through their own confidence, right? Like building confidence, growing up, like hearing people talk about that will actually lead somewhere. And it allows the space to be full of multiple multiple voices and not just one voice off in the right corner spewing the same thing unanswered uninterrupted and to me like you said you said the biggest thing is that this was a bad interview um and you dislike that part i agree and i I would just change the wording slightly to this was just an uninterrupted two-hour andrew tate episode we didn't learn anything new we didn't gain anything new and all it did was put two more hours into that space which i do believe is empty and I hope that going forward, I mean, obviously we'll talk about what we do, but we're just we're just us. But going forward, more people, particularly people with a large following themselves, do talk about this stuff. And they don't just talk, you know, oh, I just grind. I, we get it. You have to work hard. Everybody gets that. And if you don't get it, surprise, you do have to work hard to get anything. But there needs to be more to the conversation than that. Andrew Tate is giving more to the conversation than that. Nobody else is. So what is the second step? And I will absolutely talk to somebody who, you know, subscribes to the, his programs and to his views about men's mental health, because I do think it is a productive conversation that needs to be had. And I also think that no one is having it with the, that group of people. And therefore, it's just one person dictating how men view themselves, their self-worth, and how to achieve success and happiness. And not just success, happiness. And I think that that is always dangerous. Even if I agreed with the person, one person telling every man how to be happy, I think that that's dangerous no matter what. Very admirable stuff, Ryan. We appreciate that for sure. And something that has to talk about 
something we have to talk about that causes a lot of stir on the internet is this one incident last week that took place on American on an American Airlines plane. <laughs> Let's call her the alleged shapeshifter creature witness. There was a girl who was on an airplane that was about to take off on American Airlines. She apparently just flips out and goes crazy. She screamed on the top of her lungs, quote, fuck this, fuck this. You guys are doomed. Get me off this fucking plane. And she got her wish. She (laughs) loses her mind. And she said that she witnessed somebody being a creature, a shapeshifter. She saw some guy and he said, she said, he's not real. He's not real. Then she posts. Then while she's saying that she, if I don't know if this is either intentional or a perfect candid moment, she's doing this hand symbols that like are satanic or something. Oh yeah. I don't know. This is really weird. She is very attractive, um, and that's why I think a lot of people are really interested in this. And after this incident happened, she is nowhere to be found. And uh, I guess the air, the flight went on as usual. There was no shapeshifters or what. And let me ask you, Ryan, do you think this was an Internet hoax or are we uh, did we just witness something we're not supposed to? Well, so it can be a hoax. It's not a hoax. People have talked about what happened on the plane, right? Like that the yeah, plane but where where is the alien? Deboarded. Oh no, I'm saying everyone said the plane deboarded. This person went away, and they reboarded later, and that was what happened. You know what I mean? Like everybody said that. So that part, like her, her outburst, happened for yeah. sure. Um, no one knows where she is. That's that is creepy. Strange. That I'll is insane. That. That's a weak That's strange. Um, I mean, she's a private citizen, so I mean, true. She may not of want course. to be known. You know, of I mean, course, it's not like, no, it's but not you like, know you how know, people you know how people that. are. They find anything. You you know how many? You would uh, think. Yeah, you would think. Um, I don't know. Like uh, some reports said she was drunk before. Like she was drunk at the bar before getting on the plane. Oh, Someone my. said that she couldn't find her headphone. And like that was the the incident. Like someone was sitting on one of her ear her AirPods or something. Like and that causes. I mean, like I just don't. I don't know. I mean, I could. That. I don't so, know. That's so. Let's say, like, so let's say, like, all right. So let's say that happened. She was blasted. She couldn't find her earbud. Maybe the guy next to her was sitting on the earbud, and like she just lost her mind. Um, I could see why you then disappear for a week or whatever, two weeks. Don't want people to know that you were the drunk lady who deboarded a plane. Uh, you have to be really drunk to get a plane deboarded. Like you have to be really disruptive. Um, but I'll be honest. I mean, I'm not an expert on people. And I also, you know me, I'm Mr. Rationality. I don't yeah, tend yeah. to dive deep into conspiracies. Like, I mean, me and Matt talk about this all the time. We we do talk about this all the time. That's not me, right? Most conspiracies, not all, most conspiracies to me sound like garbage. And I think that's because they kind of are. Right. And my she thing about conspiracies, scared. I just like. I, and the thing about my conspiracy, yeah, I just ahead. like reading them. I like reading oh, yeah. the writing of a conspiracy. <laughs> Whether I believe it or not is another thing, but it is so fascinating. She seems scared. I'm just going to say, I mean, I don't, I'm not, you know, I'm not specialized in this. This is just a guy watching a, a woman on the internet. She didn't seem happy. She seemed scared of whatever was in the back of that plane my opinion and again it could just be a person that scared her like people's people are scary i mean the words that he's not real 
that's a weird thing to say about a person you're upset with. I'll give you that. But so I'm not even saying that it's got to be something like robots or aliens or whatever. But I am saying that I don't necessarily buy that this was just because she got hammered and couldn't find her headphone. Like, I think I think we've seen what that video looks like before on an airplane, like not that exact video, but like we've seen it when a person is just being angry and they're probably a little drunk, right? We've seen that video when they're, you know, F this to the cabin person, you know, F you to the flight attendant, calling out the captain, you know what I mean? Like they're usually mad at specific people and like calling them out and being like, you're whatever, usually it'll drop a racial slur. Let's just be honest, it does happen. Um, Like in these videos that I'm talking about, she didn't do any of that. She just kept saying, I'm getting off this plane. I don't want to die. You're all can die with him if you want. That person's not like that. The, she didn't say things that made me think she was mad at someone. She said things that made me think she was scared of something. And so I don't know what that was. I don't genuinely. Um, whatever it was, it didn't amount to anything. The plane made it to its destination just fine. But uh, that was crazy, in my opinion, genuinely. Yeah, it, it. You know, I, I believe there's three videos showing three perspectives of this. We see the most popular one. Something like this, you really have to look at all angles. Oh, absolutely. and I mean, if, if I was on the plane, wouldn't everybody look at where she, she where the open seat she left is? And is there too, some right? guy sitting there like, "Why are you mad at me? What did I do?" Well, or that's the other thing. The person, whoever this was, the reptilian. <laughs> the person <laughs> that sparked this, whoever it was, has also not come forward. Yeah. Like I I feel if it were me, if someone if someone got up on a plane after sitting down next to me and said, that motherfucker's not real, <laughs> I would probably be like, I'm very much real. <laughs> this is me. Right? I uh, I'm a real person. I don't know what happened. I would be honest and be like, yeah, she did, she was obviously upset i don't know why but uh we haven't heard from anybody um which is weird uh i do think it's weird uh you you people are crazy on the internet and this is another thing that i i I hope i the internet for this i hope by time the timeline 2023 edition (laughs) takes place we have more answers some answers otherwise this will end up being like the uh the obelisks out in the middle of the desert during covid remember those (laughs) <laughs> vaguely but I, I remember something like that um yeah. i want to be the first to interview the reptilian if he comes out i'm gonna put myself on the record for that all right let's talk about jonah hill he made some sparks last week as well, well his ex-girlfriend his ex said yeah accused him of emotional abuse she pus- she posted her her text from December 2021, by the way, mm-hmm. saying the stuff that uh, showing the stuff that Jonah Hill allegedly texted her, like his plain and simple. If you need to be surfing with men, boundaryless, inappropriate friends with men to model, post pictures, basically him making ground rules for yeah. her. And I don't think I think it's fair to say no person should be toxic or controlling like that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, she didn't really have to blow up his his spot. That's a story between those two that they need to take care of. But nobody should be controlling in a relationship. Now you can express what you like and like what you might 
now you can express to your partner privately if their actions are making you uncomfortable. I think that's fair, but not to be demanding like it seems these texts are. And for somebody, again, who would be easier for the story if they can make personal statements, if Jonah Hill would have said something, <laughs> it would have been nice, but it's not. And I know with Jonah Hill that he's really removed himself from the spotlight in the past few years. <laughs> he does it. He does not go on press junkets anymore for any movies or TV shows. He's promoted for mental health issues. He's gone on social media asking people to stop talking about his image and weight specifically, no matter good or bad. Like, he really seems to be going through it. And, you know, you hope the guy is all right. And I used to be a huge, huge, huge Jonah Hill fan, very big admirer. Now, before he said these things, I start throughout the years, he kind of came off a little more standoffish. Like, <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw the interview with Jimmy Kimmel. It got pretty tense um, about... Uh, but didn't Kimmel, you know, talk about one of his... No, no stuff like he talked about his weight, right? Wasn't that? I believe so. Yes, yeah. yes, and it got bad. Like when he came on Howard in the past few years, he used to be one of my favorite guests, but then it became like just straight up sad to listen to. And mm -hmm. yeah, I know he's gone through a lot. I know he lost his brother at a at a younger age and stuff like that. And anyways, Jonah Hill's had quite the life. Let's let's put it that way. But for Sarah Brady, his ex girlfriend, to post these essentially out of nowhere seems a bit much at this moment don't you think well yeah so we'll, we'll start there but we do have to get to the the first batch um because mm -hmm. then she she posted another batch uh of, from him more recently basically yeah. being like why did you post this this is like two years old like right. you know i thought i thought we moved on it was the separation amicable which i think is a fair question yeah so she she i <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know Sarah Brady. Uh, I don't know what she's been in. I know she's supposed to be an actress, right? Um, Surfer. Oh, I thought she was an actress. I, but anyway, I think he he doesn't just had a. I think he just had a baby with an actress. Oh, okay, doesn't really matter. Her girlfriend. Why this happened? Um, it's it's kind of it's silly uh, that she posted them now, not because. Not because it's silly for women to talk about bad experiences, especially with other women, um, but just because it's, it's been two years. So you weren't that concerned, right? Um, until right. very recently, for some reason. Um, and that, to me, is just weird. Um, and I think if, if it's been two years and you weren't concerned and then you suddenly become concerned, then you need to handle it a bit more tactfully. Um, you know what I mean? Than that. Uh, as for the Jonah Hill's original, like the original posts, and it's almost almost perfectly cycles back to what we talked about like two segments ago with the men, the men's thing. Um, you can in your head think like, listen, I don't know if I'm comfortable, if I'm confident enough to have my girlfriend hang around a bunch of surfer dudes all day. You can think that in your head. And if you think that, then that probably means that your your surfer girlfriend and you are not a good match, not a compatible match. That's you can't true. you and you, you take steps to remedy that by saying, "Listen, I don't think this is working out. We don't have a lot in common." Um, like you know what I mean? Like we, we have different kind of thoughts on and priorities. In, you know, hard feelings. People break up all the time. <laughs> To do what he did was too far. It's one thing to talk about your boundaries, but your boundaries can't be, you can't do these activities with these people. That's just telling someone what to do. 
that is just telling someone what to do. Don't hang out with your friends. Don't surf with your friends. Jonah it's Hill just, sounds like a Andrew Tate supporter with those comments. All joking well, aside. It, but the, and the thing is, like, uh, he did try to, like, hide it with the, like, boundaries. And, like, he used a lot of, you know, people you, uh, therapy vote. speak. Yeah, he did. That was kind of a you. That's quite the defense mechanism. He literally said in some of these texts, "Because of this, you are ruining my trust in in humanity." I mean, well, that was that was the second round. Yeah, in the second text, I mean, again, I'm not going to tell you people how to think. You are entitled to your feelings, but I would like to think that an ex girlfriend doesn't make me doesn't represent all of society for me. Right, but more importantly, like. I, I do believe that Jonah Hill has every right to, you know, to see this, to see these posts, to see, you know, his girlfriend doing these things, be like, well, I don't know, like, this is just not something I feel okay with. But, and you can even have a conversation where you say that, I suppose, but to be like, you've got to stop this or we're breaking up is demanding. If you're in that relationship and you're, un- if you're uncomfortable in your relationship, then you should end your relationship. Like you should do that. If you feel like it's not going to work, you should say that yourself. You shouldn't make someone try and change to keep you in the relationship that you're unhappy in. You should own I'm unhappy. And if that person does say, well, what can we do about it? Then that's a different conversation, perhaps. But that's certainly a conversation and not a not a text. Like it's that, crazy. That How- it's crazy. Why you would text the six paragraphs being like, you can't do these things. If you want to date me, that a is controlling and B it's a little entitled. Like, yeah, she needs to be dating Jonah Hill. Like, you know what I mean? Like no offense to Jonah Hill, but like no one needs to be dating anybody. So like the idea that you've got to stop doing all of these things or we're not together anymore, that a is demanding and B kind of puts himself on like this weird pedestal for absolutely no reason. I think he should have just owned up and like, I'm not comfortable in this relationship. I'd, I'd, and whatever came came. And if she was like, listen, I'm willing to stop doing these things. Then that's a conversation that they have to have of, does he want her to fundamentally change for him? Now, and not on I, Twitter or any on social Twitter. media or, te- but not even just cause I mean, obviously she put it on Twitter. He didn't put it on Twitter, but he did text all that stuff like that. The conversation should have been, I'm uncomfortable in this relationship. And then either they talk about what would make everybody comfortable or, or they say, all right, that's cool. Like I get it. No hard feelings, separate ways. And then there would, and hopefully there would be no hard feelings. I think part of the reason these got posted other than I think just to cause a scene. And I do think there's some of that. I'm sorry for the people who disagree. I do think some of this was her just wanting to cause a scene. I don't know why. I think, I think clearly that's one of these. But uh, I do think that part of the reason is that those texts came in the first place. Had that all been a conversation that ended with, you know, Jonah Hill saying, I'm uncomfortable, her saying, I'm sorry, like, but this is me. These are my friends. This is what I do. And them splitting amicably. She would not have put a post out like Jonah Hill was uncomfortable because of the friends I had. She would have just moved on. You know what I mean? Clearly so this girl, woman is because again, after Jonah no, had a kid. On. I think she would have moved on. No, Even I'm saying I'm kid. saying she didn't. And, and she's. It's oh, hard no, to have sympathy for her text. in this situation, to be yes, honest. Yes, because she shouldn't have posted it after two years. But it's because of, I think because of the text, because of the way the text was like, you've got to stop doing that. You're hurting me. You're hurting my boundaries. Like the way that text was sent and worded and written down for her to see, like, 
that was a, a kind of a kind of an aggressive thing to do. Like I said, I mentioned, I, I already said, it. I'm not going to repeat myself with that. It was weird that he did it, put himself on a weird pedestal. It was definitely demanding on her. And I think had he just been like, I'm uncomfortable. And she'd been like, all right, no hard feelings. And they broke up. Then to, none of this would have happened, but because he felt the need to just speak at her. Right. With like, you got to do these things because you're hurting me and my boundaries. Like, because he felt the need to just tell her all that, like word vomit and like basically put it on her to do better or lose him. It became like a weird ultimatum. And I think that made her mad. And it would make me mad. Genuinely. I, I don't know if I would have waited two years. I think that part is strange, but I could see why an ultimatum like that would be upsetting to hear. And so I don't know. I think they both, frankly, I think they both kind of look really bad in this. Uh, Jonah, because he shouldn't have said what he said, and uh, his his ex girlfriend Sarah Brady, right? Um, yeah, the the swimmer for uh, Who, the fact that she posts them two years later. Seemingly, whoever dates her now, understand what happens if you uh, if things go haywire. Right. Well, and I, that's the other thing, and I'm sure that honestly, that's probably part of the calculus for her this mm-hmm. gives her a reputation this can give her some clout on social every time she dates someone she could start blowing up their spot uh, this could very well be you know hopefully you're married already sarah because you have a while till a guy could trust you again well, i mean well, hopefully the guy just doesn't do what jonah hill did and it should be fine right like it should be yeah and but, every single one of your uh, communication will be over the phone <laughs> yeah. talk. nothing will be written down <laughs> listen it's not part of the tweet cap but there's i don't know if you saw this uh there's this uh this uh wide receiver on the kansas city chiefs who was a giant and this guy wrote dms to him saying man you suck you're trash uh you miss daniel jones and he responded at three in the morning in a voice message just vulgary man he's like man, daniel jones you should see my call log He's the one who misses me, and then he used a, and then he used a lot of swear words after that. And that um, he said, "Meet me on the block." You never meet me on the block, or something like that. And um, either way, you're not gonna win if you if you for any celebrity out there, and hopefully us soon to be celebrities from this pod. Um, no matter if you write a text or use a voice message, it can always be recorded. So yes. always interact on the phone if you can, or have in a trust phone yeah, in or person. in person or FaceTime. I don't think they, the day when I'm Apple allows recording a FaceTime. That'll be the slow. hard one. Yeah. But uh, Jonah Hill, hopefully you find peace too. Yeah. I think that's the end of the story. It should just be, hopefully they both find what they're looking for, which in fairness is what Jonah said in the second block of texts. Mm-hmm. But I think that both of them look bad. I think that Jonah Hill needs to understand as a man that yes, it's great that he's doing therapy. I understand and struggling with weight. Believe me, I do. Um, but you can't just say the word boundaries over and over again and expect people to succumb to you. Uh, you know, your mental health is not your fault. Uh, this is not my quote. This is somebody else's, uh, but it is your responsibility. So if your insecurity made you react that way, then that's fine. Keep working on your insecurity. Insecurity is not necessarily your fault, but what you do with that insecurity is your responsibility. And as for her, I mean, I don't know why you waited two years. Feels like a bit of a predatory move. And for someone who did seem to have, you know, probably been in a 
bit of a suffocating relationship to go ahead and make herself look like a villain of equal measure uh, is really sad because, I mean, she didn't do anything wrong at first. She didn't do anything wrong until she decided randomly two years later to tell the whole world about how much of, you know, how big a dick Jonah Hill was, <laughs> uh, which is insane to me. Uh, some people are like, you should try and cancel people. And I hate that word cancel because I don't see it as a real thing. I think if you don't, if you're not well liked, people will stop listening to you. But some people are saying that you did this is okay that she should try to cancel Jonah Hill for being a bad boyfriend and for being, you know, controlling. First of all, I don't think that's true. Uh, I don't. I mean, I do think he was both of those things, a bad boyfriend and controlling, but I don't think he should be canceled or whatever that means. Like, you don't, I don't think he should lose work because of it. Uh, unless that work is being a boyfriend, then maybe he could lose that job. But um, I don't know. I don't, I think that that, that whole bit is crazy trying to post something two years later like that. So I hope that she doesn't make a habit of doing that uh, because I, I don't think it makes her look good. And she didn't do anything wrong until that moment. So it's just weird that she would decide after being in that relationship to become an active part of what's wrong with that relationship two years later. Definitely, man. Now let's switch it up and hopefully we get tw- 21 jump street jonah hill back now it's the best jonah hill for sure next hopefully we get happy jonah hill. happy jonah hill. whatever happy yeah. is whatever makes everybody happy that's what we want absolutely and let's, happy sarah let's talk about happy stuff this <clears throat> is definitely the best thing on the internet it is barbenheimer Let's let's talk it and break Hold it up. down. Before we get into it, you said let's talk happy stuff. Let's talk about the nuclear bomb. <laughs> That's only one half of this. <laughs> That's one half. But can you imagine we're doing an episode where the nuclear bomb is on the happier side of what we're talking about? <laughs> As seen by Chris Nolan. So if things yeah, are Chris, but... <laughs> yeah, Chris Nolan's version of the nuclear bomb. Barbenheimer. This Friday, July twenty first, two Next of Friday. the most opposite movies ah let me restart that actually so july 21st next friday two movies are coming out and they could be no more different than each other they are true extreme opposites you have greta gerig's barbie released by paramount pictures going up against christopher nolan's um sorry other way around Water. I'm gonna restart this because uh, we can, and I pay for the Zoom. Okay, Friday, July 21st is gonna be a big day in the history of movies, and I'm serious, the history of cinema, American cinema that has been around since the 1900s. It has all come down to this: Warner Brothers Barbie, directed by Greta Gerwig, is coming out. Paramount Pictures. Christopher Nolan's big epic Oppenheimer is coming out. We have Barbie versus Oppenheimer, and they're all coming together. Barbie, the official plot of the movie, after being expelled from the utopian Barbie land for being less than perfect, Barbie and Ken go on a journey of self-discovery to the real world. What is Oppenheimer about? The official premise is based on the 2005 biography, American Prometheus, J. Robert Oppenheimer, the theoretical physicist who helped develop the first nuclear weapons on the Manhattan Project 
this is his story. So you have two powerhouse directors going at it. Two powerhouse movie studios going at it. One that is the jealous boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe the Sarah Brady of Warner Brothers, Christopher Nolan. Jeez. He used to be a big Warner Brothers guy. Then he goes to Paramount Pictures. And Paramount and Warner Brothers just happens to release probably their biggest movie of the summer in their calendar year the same day. Oppenheimer comes out. Boy, it's pretty messy. But for <laughs> huge cinema cinephiles, for huge movie lovers, this is awesome. Uh, you have Cillian Murphy versus Margot Robbie, Ryan Gosling versus Florence Pugh, Emily Blunt versus Michael Sarah. <laughs> I mean, seriously, everybody. This is awesome. This may literally be as Hollywood as it gets and on the brink of SAG about to strike and the Writers Guild about to strike. Sorry, opposite. Writers Guild striking right now, SAG about to strike. Mm -hmm. This is as Hollywood as it gets, and this is great for the viewer. And if you are tired of conspiracies and stress and headaches of the world, you have two movies that can make you escape. And Ryan, (laughs) tell me your excitement for Barbenheimer. Right. Well, I think we need to talk specifically about the Barbenheimer bit of that. So, I mean, full rundown of everything going on with these two movies. Excellent. Excellent research from our host, Matt Brown, of course, as always. Uh, But it's become a bit of an internet sensation. The idea that people are going to see on the same day, no less, both movies. 20,000 of AMC's yes, I was tickets have been that. sold on the first day alone. For both movies, to be clear. Yeah. So people, 20,000 people are seeing both movies <laughs> on day one. It's So it is crazy that the way that they, and I know that I've, I've seen reports that Christopher Nolan is upset, as you pointed out, at Barbie coming out the same day as his movie. I think that Warner Brothers, uh, Warner, yeah, Warner Brothers, right? And yeah, Paramount, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm are literally just blinded by dollar signs covering their eyes. They've got they don't a blindfold care. of just hundreds of By the way, I um because... I, I said this wrong. It's being released by Universal Pictures. So Universal, not okay. Paramount, Universal. So yeah. Universal's the the one. Whoever it is are seeing dollar signs over their face because these two movies are marketing each other. It's insane. People are looking at both movies equally. So people who are seeing Barbie ads are seeing it online within the context, usually within the context of Oppenheimer. And people seeing the Oppenheimer ads are seeing it usually in the context of the Barbie movie. Like These movies are basically co-advertising with each other on social media. People are posting about both movies. They're posting stills of both movies. Even when they post something about just one movie, they usually reference the other movie. Like these movies are essentially advertising one another. They could not be more different. It is, in my opinion, it'll never happen again. Listen, they're going to try it again. I'm sure of it. I think these movies are going to do well. I think you do too. You, I think you agree with me that within the first two weeks, these movies are going to do freaking awesome. Um, Critics loving both so far. The critical embargo has been lifted. Yeah, and so I think that people are going to love these movies, both of them. I mean, and what's not to like? I mean, Barbie is an IP, but it's not one that we've kind of been involved in that deeply. Oppenheimer, of course, is a real person, but again, not something that's been – 
talked about crazy. You know what I mean? The casts are phenomenal for both. I just, I think that both these movies are going to do really well. And I do think that the studio is going to try this again. The double movie thing, trying mm-hmm. to create a, a double feature, but it won't happen again. Because part of the reason this is a double feature is that it doesn't make sense as a double feature. They are just so dramatically different and that they both randomly came out on the same day. And I do think it's randomly. No, I do think it's random. I really do. I mean, all right, let me rephrase. Is it possible that to undercut Christopher Nolan, they did decide to release Barbie the same day? Yes, I do believe that. Did they think that this would happen? Did anyone in either camp think that Barbenheimer mm-hmm. would be a thing? No. I, That's a I legit refuse. word. It's going to be uh, yeah. Webster Dictionary's new word of the year. I refuse to believe that any executive at either of those two studios was like, you know, if we release these at the same time, we could get Barbenheimer t-shirts. They come together. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that that. because, um, as I mentioned, just quick note, SAG, it looks like they're striking Saturday tomorrow. But we had Netflix, Warner Discovery, and Disney, their heads of studios came together to get a federal mediator but it seems like it's not working. So they are in cahoots. So they could say, hey, when's our next Barbenheimer? They do work together overall. I'm saying neither neither studio did this to try and promote both movies. Oh, yeah, I'm saying now they will. That's what the three of them could do, like Ted Serrano's and Robert Iger could say, all right, when are you releasing the remake of Toy Story? Where are you gonna do the live action remake of Toy Story? We'll release. Uh, well, it'd be like it'd be like if they release tried to release like a Christopher Robin movie and like that Winnie the Pooh horror movie on Netflix, <laughs> uh, like that. But I don't think they'll ever recreate it like this. I am excited. I do want to see both. I've unfortunately I'm super busy all of my weekends, and so I may not get to do the double feature direct. They may have to do back to back days. I may have to like go to the movie on like a Tuesday. Yeah, that's probably what go I'm going to have to. They're all sold out. That's the problem. Tickets. I want to see both. If I can figure out a way to go go on a Saturday and see both, I'm going to. This is unfortunately this weekend would be like the perfect weekend for me to do that. And <laughs> only a week per a week, a week away. Um, and so. if anybody listen, I I can watch Oppenheimer by myself, but I can't go to myself to Barbie. So if anyone wants to accompany me, <laughs> I'll say that now. I literally put that in dating profiles. Just see Barbie with me. Just see Barbie with Even me. I'll, I'll probably just see it by myself if anyone's in the theater. But oh, oh well. What's it called? You have like a, you know, you know, an aunt or something. You got, you've got people who could bring someone. I'm not gonna bring my aunt to see Barbie. Why not? <laughs> because I don't want to. That's oh, the perfect no. date movie. So, and then Ryan Gosling's Song of the Summer, I'm Just Ken. I'm Just out, Ken. Which has Slashes some of the best, on that song. Which has some of the best lyrics ever. <laughs> what I mean, let me read these lyrics. I'm Just Ken. <laughs> um, as the Barbie do, World song's good, too, I must say. You know, we're talking about the soundtrack. I What I hope, and I don't think it'll happen, I hope that they have the same amount of songs on their soundtrack because I would love to see the, the Oppenheimer someone, that. Yeah. Yeah. I would love <laughs> to see someone replace the music from the Oppenheimer music movie with the Barbie movie and vice versa. I think that would be very funny. Um, but. Oh man, we can me. have Lud- Ludwig Johansson. Hope I said that right. Corn Hansen. No Hans Zimmer for some reason. Um, but they hire with me for some reason. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess this might be the the Warner's legacy, but you know, because during the pandemic, Christopher Nolan didn't like Tenet being released during the pandemic, not in theaters. Mm-hmm. 
he said, screw you. I'm going somewhere else in Universal. I mean, Tenet was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Wasn't his yeah. best, but this definitely has a lot of hype. I mean, seriously, they've been talking about Oppenheimer for a solid two years. And oh, yeah. Like, I've never seen a non-franchise movie get hyped so much. Ever. Yeah, and, and that one's because Barbie is technically a franchise movie. Like when you really get down to it, it's yeah. not because they don't have a lot of movies, but it is technically. Yeah, it's a major but, brand um, by Mattel. Yeah, but Oppenheimer. I mean, I don't a, know. If, a, I don't even know if people before the movie came out would have known who he, <laughs> I knew who he was. But <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot of people who are going to see this movie who, up until they saw the movie, had no idea who invented the nuclear bomb. I don't think that's common knowledge anymore. It used to be. And so, just to, just the dumb question, Op- J-, J. Robert Oppenheimer, yeah. he is the guy who created the nuclear bomb. Like you would say, he's. The I one. mean, there's other people, yeah, but he's like the head of it. it. Yes, he was in charge. I mean, there was the guy. So, the guy in charge of the actual government program, the general, was mm-hmm. a guy named Leslie Groves, played by Matt Damon in the movie. Um, okay. An Oppenheimer movie, but the scientist who was in charge, who, basically the scientist that Groves hired to lead the team of scientists to invent a nuclear bomb was Oppenheimer. That was okay. it. So all of it, like everything that was discovered on the American side was ran through him. Like there are other people involved, people from other, obviously other, you know, science is very collaborative uh, people from other allied nations, even, uh, even people like uh, M- Marie Curie, in France, who was dead by this point, um, but she discovered radiation, so a lot of her work was used. Like so, obviously, it's you can't just say X created the bomb, but essentially X created the bomb because he was in charge. He took the data that already existed and he took a theory that he can't that they, he wrote down, said this is theoretically what would happen, how it would work, and then he because he was a theoretical guy, like that was his deal. He never built anything; he was just theories, and he took his theory. And he made it happen in actual life uh, using basically unlimited with- resources to blow up Japan, which is a problematic sentence to say out loud, but it is what happened. And so, like, yes, he's why do you the think guy. Nolan wants to make this specific? This is his first movie based on true events. Um, what was obviously, his last movie. I mean, Tenet, but besides Tenet. Like what was before Tenet? There goes Tenet, then goes inter- then goes Dunkirk. Oh, sorry, this is second one. So this is his sort of biopic, though. Um, it goes Tenet, Dunkirk, Interstellar, Dark Knight Rises, Dark Knight, Batman, um, the the Prestige, Batman Begins. Yeah, like uh, Christopher Nolan is a top four director in America right now. If ever he yeah. is that much of an influence, and I think. Next is Tarantino, and you know I'm hardcore in the cinephile community. People bend over backwards for Nolan. He could do no wrong. I mean, seriously, this is a three hour movie, and they don't care. Um, yeah, it's kind of has in to be, IMAX. Though, think about it. Are, are you going to see it in IMAX? It, it really not. seems. It really seems like that's the way to see it, according to him. I mean, if I could, I would, but I I just don't know where the nearest IMAX is, and I'm just going to have to go when I can go. Um, yeah, at least don't watch it on your iPhone. No, I'm going to definitely gonna doesn't watch in, that. Yeah, I'm going to see them both in theaters. But um, I just again, I think that um, I, the reason why is because it is new. I mean, it's not new. Obviously, it happened a long time ago, but I, I don't think anybody could name Oppenheimer before this movie came out. I don't think anyone knew what he did. Uh, obviously, he's a complicated 
his complicated history because what he did killed like hundreds of thousands of people. Right. And that character study alone. And, you know, Christopher Nolan is known for his big visual effects. And he he says no CGI was used whatsoever. And seeing that practical, those practical effects is pretty awesome. And be excited. Yeah. Practical effects for a nuclear bomb test. Yeah, I feel like I texted you last summer. You did, yeah. They, you they, did. they, it was they, they filmed the bomb scene today. Imagine wanting, uh, want, imagine wanting an award, Academy Award, so bad you create a nuke. I mean, that's well, got to no, win. I heard that they were they thinking of, effects, right? of do. Yeah, they do have visual effects. That's got to win. And you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody goes practical anymore. And, right. and there you practical go. Practical nukes. And you've heard yeah, of tactical that, nukes. He went with practical nukes. Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, so he obviously won. No one's even going to try for visual effects because <laughs> he, he built a nuclear bomb. He wins. You win. If you Tough build a year nuclear, for Marvel. You and then you yeah. get to see Iron Man in the movie. He's playing Louis Strauss. Okay. Are you aware of him? No. According to his Wikipedia, American businessman, Served two terms on the Atomic Energy Commission. He's a major figure in developing nuclear weapons. And so he's blah, probably blah, just blah. a business guy who was part of the Manhattan Project. Played by Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, I saw in an interview he said, cast. "What? They have a lot of people in this case. isn't uh, um, Florence Pugh's in it? Who's playing? I guess the mistress because one of the things film Twitter is being obsessed of is the sex scene. Which I mean, who cares?" <laughs> But I guess because well, Christopher done, Nolan's doing a sex scene. But he's not Christopher Nolan, but uh, Cillian Murphy's done sex scenes before. Mm-hmm. This is not new. Yeah, I think him. that's just, I think the joke is Christopher Nolan doing one. Oh, okay. But it really shows that sex sex sells. I mean, yeah, like, well, so look at this cast. Batman. Obviously, <laughs> Matt Damon, Florence Pugh, Josh Harnett, he's back. Casey Affleck, Rami Malek. Did you see, jo- sorry, quick, did you see Josh Harnett? I think it was him. And, um, Black Mirror. Uh, no, I haven't seen the new season no, yet. Is he back? Oh, is he? Are we seeing a he's Josh Harnett Renaissance? I mean, he's in Black Mirror. <laughs> so whatever that means. Yeah, he's in, he's in the episode yeah. Beyond the Sea. Yep, with uh, uh the guy from Breaking Bad, Aaron Paul. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Is it scary? No. I mean, no. No, you'll be fine. <laughs> Tom Conti is playing Albert Einstein. So I mean, we're gonna see I, Einstein in this movie. Well, yeah, Einstein helped build the bomb. Um, Gary Oldman's playing Truman. <laughs> really? That yeah, feels that feels is. like a weird casting choice, but okay. Aiden Enrich, who's a pretty big movie star, is play. He played Han Solo. He's playing mm-hmm. Senate aide. So whatever that means. I mean, seriously, look how many people Senate are aide. Yeah, he's just an aide for to a senator. Not even not even a named one. According to this, yeah. Okay. But yeah, $100 million film, three hours, Christopher Nolan at the helm, lots of hype. And then after you're probably sad and depressed, but amazed. I'm going the other way. Are you going to, you're going to see Barbie first? I think you got to see. I think uh, so. People I've seen this all over the internet. We'll probably, what is the debate on this? So people talk about what you wake up in the morning, have a, have a black coffee, smoke your cigarette, go see Oppenheimer, (laughs) grab brunch, have some mimosas, go see Barbie, then a night out on the town dancing. I think of it this way to me, to me, Oppenheimer. And I bet you this is true. I bet you Oppenheimer is going to be less like, 
biography of a great man, air quotes on great man, to be clear. Um, great meaning, you know, important, influential, earth changing uh, in what they did. I think it's going to be more of a, I think it's going to be more of like a horror movie. Uh, not like an actual horror movie, you know, like horror genre, but I think that it's going to be a harrowing movie to watch. I think it's going to be a bit scary because, th- I mean, this guy, I don't know if he knew this. He was gonna, You can debate whether he knew this was going to happen. You can debate why he thought this was okay. But this guy, he killed hundreds of thousands of people indirectly. He didn't drop the bomb himself. Um, indirectly, he killed hundreds of thousands of people. That's scary. The amount of people dead, that's scary. And then, I mean, let's face it, we're in a bit of a a nuclear kind of haze right now in real life. Like our parents, I guess, probably grew up with the, you know, hide your head under your desk mm-hmm. in case the Russians bomb us sort of thing. And we didn't grow up that way. Like, you know, we had, you know, mass shootings and other things to worry about. But um, we've got this like this kind of this bomb threat happening over in Eastern Europe again, all of a sudden, I think this movie is going to scare a lot of people. And so I, and if it's practical effects too. Yeah. So I want to see Barbie, right? Like during the day, grab some lunch or some dinner or whatever it is. And then at night, I want to see the horror movie. Hey, for me, I think I'm going to do the opposite personally, but, um, Let's just quickly get get back to Barbie and these lyrics. I'm just Ken. Yes, yes. Because I'm just Ken. Anywhere so I'd be a 10. Is it my destiny to live and die a life of blonde f- fragility? Blonde fragility, yep. I'm just Ken. Where, she, where I see love, she sees a friend. What will it take for her to see the man behind the 10 and fight for me? So I, I mean, I'm not an expert on Barbie's. But I thought Ken and Barbie were marketed as a couple. Yeah, I guess not. They were, but in this movie, they're clearly friend zoning Ken. Well, um, I'd have to ask the people who play with Barbies when we were growing up. Is Ken at is T- Ken a friend this whole time? Yeah, at T Cap. was Ken just a friend? I don't know. Did your was did your wife play with Barbies? I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure she it. had some. I'm sure she had some, but I don't. Know yeah. I guess that this whole time, that's what we're learning that Ken was just a friend this whole time. I know. And look at, also look at how Ken expressing his emotions so coherently. We can all be more like Ken. Man, when Margot Robbie friends zones Ryan Gosling, that's how you know. <laughs> but I hear from early reviews that he's the star of the show that he stole the whole thing. And people really? Say, yeah. <laughs> but here's a funny thing: Oscar nomination for Ryan Gosling as Ken. Ryan, as Ken, <laughs> and <laughs> don't get me wrong, Ryan Gosling is one of our best living actors right now. And he's very funny. Um, in general, I've seen him in some. He seems films. to have really dived into this role. Like he's yeah. really happy to be Ken. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like he seems just genuinely that really little excited clip about I showed of Ken, of Ken, a uh, Barbie compliments Ken, and he just gives a side swipe. He goes, "Thank you, Barbie." <laughs> <laughs> so serious. No, it just shows why well, the aesthetic is weird because they do kind of like they kind of feel like toys. Yeah, the there is time. no, there are no feel like whatsoever. And like again, think if about like, the cinematographer. Let me see. Let me give credit. Rodrigo Prito is a, has an amazing career. He like just from what I've seen, obviously trailers. I'm not seeing the movie. Like when you're playing with toys, action figures or dolls or whatever, like you turn them to talk, right? 
And like, there's some of that in there too, especially in the Barbie world scenes, like when they're dolls, like, again, yeah, there's no shadows. Yeah. And like, there's like the a little bit of jerky kind of like as if they're be as if they're dolls. I think their I hands are was... like close together. Did you yeah, hear that like, there was apparently so a pink like a pink short pink paint shortage or something on set? That's what I've. I've they ran out of pink paint. <laughs> no, seriously, like a whole the whole world shortage. They use it so much, and I think that's why this movie is just so fascinating because it's just despite it being a franchise, it's just so different. It's it's an innovative. Oh yeah, Greta Look Gerwig is going to be. You, we, I think people knew that her. going in. Like this was going to be not just. This was not just going to be like Barbie does a thing and that's the end of the movie. Like this oh, yeah, was going to. Thank God, if Amy Schumer did that, that's what it would have been. Right. This is going to be like a real movie that's going to be interesting to people. Uh, you know what I mean? Like because of the director, because of who was behind it, it was just, and the actors too, of course, like this was going to be way more of a interesting kind of take on quirk, Barbie. quirky movie too. Like there's going to be little quirks and things that didn't, that wouldn't make it into a, you know, a big budget, like franchise Barbie movie. Yes. And let me say, thank you. Thank the Lord that the Amy Schumer version has not been made. Like <laughs> seriously, thank you. Whoever made the I mean, decision at Warner Brothers looks a little like Barbie. No, she doesn't. Like, what would be the Amy Schumer? Like, what's, first, what is the case for Amy Schumer doing this movie? I mean, my my thoughts Other are probably not appropriate money. to say with that. But um, at least Margot Margot Robbie looks like she could be Barbie. But, but, but just saying, also Margot Robbie is a serious actor, and this is a serious movie. So yeah, <laughs> and uh, um, even that's the, the thing that. Aside. The Mattel CEO had to sign off, and um, he said the Amy Schumer version of Barbie was fine, but it made Barbie the joke. And I think that's why, again, they went with the more savage and her and Greta's partner, Noah Baumbach, who is an amazing filmmaker himself. So who was the director of the first Barbie movie with Amy Schumer? Who was it supposed to be? Yeah. Um... Diablo Diablo Cody was gonna write it, so she wrote Juno. Um, okay, it would have been very different than yeah. I, but she as a writer. Um, yeah, I don't have anything at the moment saying who was a potential director in this. It was just Amy Schumer. Um's idea that it was first gonna be a Sony movie, then Warner because Brothers. I bet it. we'll have to see it. I bet you. Low key Barbie. I won't say Barbie is going to be the joke of this movie, but I bet you this movie is going to have a lot of jokes about Barbie as a brand. I I don't think like this movie is going capitalism jokes. Yeah, kind of. I think this movie is probably going to have a lot to say about Barbies, um, and I don't think it'll be bad. I think it'll be good. Um, I think it'll be done very well, but I think that this movie will subtly and effectively have a lot to say about because Barbie's got a long history. There is. Uh, on the toys that made us netflix series they do barbie Mm -hmm. super fascinating episode probably one of the best episodes of the series um i believe the creator is still alive right i think so Uh, certainly family is i don't know if the actual creator is but certainly the family is like still involved and stuff um so i'll say like definitely watch that but this it's, it's a brand with a long and frankly complicated history and i bet you this movie will tackle some of that in an interesting way that helps the movie. Mm-hmm. 
throughout. Uh, so I would look out for that. That's what I'm looking out for in the Barbie movie. Oppenheimer, I'm just looking for a big boom. I'm genuinely, history. I really am. <laughs> I mean, history is interesting, but I just want to see how they do the bomb. Really, that's like that's kind of what I'm going for. It's going to be well acted. I'm sure it's written really well. I just want to see what the bomb looks like because I know it's a practical effects bomb. But for Barbie, yeah. I'm going to be interested in a lot more of like the story and some of the ways that they talk about things for that sure. I think that Greta Gerwig will want to talk about being because she has such a large and very kind of consumerist uh, platform to talk about it. And yeah, as by the way, it seemed one of the early directors was Patty Jenkins, who directed, who's a very good director, directed Wonder Woman, the first, okay. the uh, and Monster. But again, I, I just don't want Amy Schumer involved with that <laughs> because I'm not a fan of her. There you go. Um, but Margot Robbie as Barbie, I think that is a hit. And again, by the way, the the cinematographer Rodrigo Prito. You know what his other movie is this year? Uh, what? It's Killers of the Flower Moon, the depressing, um, Martin Scorsese movie, which I'm definitely seeing with with Leo and De Niro about the genocide with indigenous people, and then he switches from that mm. to Barbie. That is, that's a switch. I agree. That's a switch. But I love him. He's, he's great Prigo. He did Wolf of Wall Street and hmm. Irishman and Brokeback Mountain, <laughs> um, Eight Mile. He, he's the cinematographer for Eight Mile. Wow, okay. Yeah, so he really knows how to use then, his yeah. use his colors, as you can see. I mean, Eight Mile is too dark sometimes. And then you go from to that to Barbie, even though that's more of the production designer's job. But yeah. getting that look still, it's, it's cool. And then we have to go it's through cool. this cast really quick. Obviously... Margot Robbie as Barbie, Ryan Gosling as Ken, America Ferreira is the third lead. She plays Gloria, a Mattel employee who finds Barbie in the real world. Kate McKinnon is playing Weird Barbie. Issa Rae is playing President Barbie. Rhea Perlman is uh, playing Ruth Hadler, who she's the one who invented Barbie. So she mm-hmm. passed away in 2002. So she's playing that. So, you know, Rhea Perlman from like Cheers. Yep. Will Ferrell is the CEO of Mattel. Yes, I saw that scene. <laughs> and then some other people playing other Barbies include like Dua Lipa and other actors I don't know, but I'm sure they're very talented. John yes. Cena is playing other is playing a version of Ken. He's playing Merman yeah, Ken. I saw that. Helen Mirren is the narrator. I mean, there we go. <laughs> Michael Sarah is playing Alan, who... According to this, he is Ken's best friend. He it literally says he started out as Ken's buddy. So Michael Sarah and Ryan Gosling playing friends. That'll be fun. So I mean, this movie just seems so much fun. Like this is a movie where I don't have to analyze too much. At least the first reason I could just enjoy a good movie that I think so is a good yeah. fantasy. This one will be easy to, easier to watch on your phone too. Like for oh, a yeah, second that time around, sure. yeah. And then Oppenheimer, man. Yeah, we are definitely going to do a Barbenheimer pod. We okay. have to. I mean, there's, <laughs> the traffic shows that it's it'll get the view. So, Ryan, definitely let me know when you see both. Yeah, I'll, I'll make sure to see it as soon as I get. All right. Just uh, definitely went over time, but we'll f- wrap it up with this. Real quick, yeah. Quickly. Who would have thought Barbie would get so much hype? <laughs> Anyways. Hard Knocks, HBO successful show that 
shows an NFL team going into training camp. This year's team is going to be the New York Jets. And with the amazing, amazing appeal to it, which includes storylines with, well, Aaron Rodgers joining the Jets. Zach Wilson, the former starter, going to a quarterback after a second-round pick. Uh, Mekhi Becton issues their number one, their first-round draft pick a couple years ago, trying to get on the field with his weight issues, but Mm. he definitely has Pro Bowl talent. Um, Obviously, Robert Sala tried in his third year. And, you know, if this this is just a big experiment, if it fails – Everyone's losing their job. Joe Douglas, um, after drafting the offensive defensive rookie of the year, has another chance for to prove why he's a good GM. And the Jets haven't won the Super Bowl <laughs> since 1969. So yep. uh, 53 years ago, all yep. coming together. There are Jet fans who are not happy about this, as if they are on the team, whether in the front office or the players, they think it's a distraction, yet... Last time the Jets were on Hard Knocks was 2010, and they made the AFC Championship. Did really well last year, yeah. And then there's obviously everybody else with common sense who knows that this is appointment TV if you're a football fan. And I think even non-football fans could find the appeal in this work, don't you think? And you as a legitimate Jets fan, yeah, how so do I'm you a feel Jets about fan. this? I am a Jets fan, um, but obviously I'm not like one of your football guys. So, you know, that I'm not as big in the like following mm-hmm. football. Hey, so I'll let you, you still do count. Heavy, I'll let you do the heavy lifting on the football talk for this. I'm going to talk, like you said about the appointment viewing aspect of this, because this is appointment viewing. I actually, I've, I've said to other people uh, recently, you know, friends of mine talked about the football season and the hard knock stuff. I'm like, I think genuinely, I'm not even. I don't know how many games the Jets are going to win. I'm assuming more than last year. I'm assuming they're yes. actually going to do okay. They had they had a decent. They actually, when you really look at it, they didn't have a horrible team last year. They just didn't win any games, and now they got Aaron Rodgers. Right. Leading. Then at one point they were seven and four and had a playoff yeah. position and lost five of their last six games. Yeah. So I and, think that uh, they only they ended the season. Let me just. I just want to make sure. Yeah. But, um, they ended the season last year at seven and ten. So. They go so after like, being seven and four at one point. So they lost their yeah. last six. So it's I mean, like they they have talent on the team, and I think adding Aaron Rodgers is probably good for for you know a good. This is step, probably big the biggest positive transition you will ever see in the history of football between quarterbacks, going from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. It's the best <laughs> upgrade in the history of the NFL. I'm not even kidding. Like it really. I mean, is. yeah. I mean, yeah. Zach Wilson. Well, he was in his second year last year. Yep. Third year, second year, yeah. Uh, like second you know what season. I mean? Yeah, second second year there. So it's not like you had a, a fully fleshed champion quarterback there. You had a, basically a rookie. Um, yeah, so you're like, not going to win you when get, you throw you know, it to the ground and you no, giddy you know. one game. And remember, he started. He missed the first two games of the season. Joe Flacco was in, and then um, Joe Flacco. And, it went all down from there. Champion Joe Flacco, Super Bowl champion Joe Flacco. Um, Seriously, and but anyway, he's still I on. Digress. He's still he's still he's still holding on. I believe, um, even though he's but a free agent, he he yeah. hopes to get signed by somebody <laughs> else. Uh, I digress. My point though is that regardless of how many games they end up actually winning, this is going to be one of the more watched Jet seasons. I think in a long time. Oh yeah, the they have seven so primetime games. Interesting right now that people are going to pay for tickets to see this this team. They're going to stream this team, you know, on 
NFL pass. They're going to watch this team when they're available on their local networks. They're going to engage with social content around this team. The Jets have a prime opportunity to make some real money here, to put it bluntly. For themselves, for the NFL, they have a prime opportunity here to to be the stars of the season, Whether, frankly, whether they win this season or not. Um, because of one person, too. Well, because of one person, but I mean, also to their credit, like, again, the defense is good. They, they have other solid players. Um, and I think this is probably Aaron Rodgers coming in with his massive spotlight. It's probably really good for some of those, like those younger talented players. Uh, Sauce Gardner comes to mind, although he's already relatively well known because now everyone's paying attention to the Jets. So if you're a decent Jet but you just kind of got ignored because you play for the Jets, which happens. You can say it doesn't. It does happen. When you play for a small market team or for a team that doesn't win, uh, you get ignored in certain conversations. You maybe should be ignored in. And Aaron Rodgers being there is going to put that spotlight on this team. And if, so if they could turn out while Aaron's got their spotlight on, uh, I think that it's going to be really big for some players. But also I think that, What's it called? Zach Wilson's comments in the press have made this even more interesting. He's yeah. like, I'm fighting for my job. Like, I'm going to take the spot. Like, I mean, all he said, stuff, he, but... he said before Aaron Rodgers came to the team, whoever's going to compete the job, I'm going to make their life a living hell. And yeah, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback as the guy to I make mean, a living hell. All clown stuff, all clown stuff. It's never going to happen, of course. But it's just so funny. And like, it, it brings intrigue. And he might not even get, be the uh, he might not even be quarterback too. He might be the third string. They signed this guy Tim Boyle. That some people <laughs> think he might take uh, he might take his job, and that's another thing to well, another I, reason I'm why Hard Knocks needs to follow him. So I will say something for Hard for the Jets fans who are like this could be bad for the team. Granted, if you think this, as then if you, you need to. You need You're to go outside. No, you need to go outside and touch some grass, right? I could see them making sure that Zach Wilson stays at number two in the death chart because that is a far more interesting storyline for hard knocks than Zach Wilson at number three. Yeah. And he might, no one knows who Tim Boyle is. So no one knows who Tim Boyle is. That won't make for that interesting television to watch Tim Boyle play at the number two spot. Well, you know what I mean? Like, but having Zach Wilson, who has been verbally being like, I'm going to be Aaron Rodgers for this job, be the number two guy. Or his crazy mom will do it too. I think that that'll be very, very fun uh, for TV, fun for TV, obviously for the team. I could see why that would be a distraction, but again, a distraction at backup quarterback is like not a problem. That's not good. <laughs> In my work. opinion, like that's not a problem. Like no team is like, well, we were good. We would be really good, but I've got a distracting backup quarterback. Like no one cares about the back quarterback. It's not, it's not a problem. So I think it's good TV. I think it'll do really big numbers. I think the team's going to do really big numbers all season in terms of like attention and views and tickets and all that. Uh, hopefully they win some games to back that up. They're arguably the most popular team in American sports right now alone. And they certainly the most interesting. Yeah. They haven't played it down yet. And remember their first game is week one, Monday night football on nine 11 at home against the Buffalo bills. Yep. Uh, that is that's yeah Big that's game. a must win to start off. Yep, I mean it's you know at home it's against one of the stronger like the historically stronger teams in their kind of. You their, have the uh, Madden cover, athlete. Like, yeah, you've got you beat you beat the Bills at home for game one. You're going to set off the tone for the entire season. I think it's going to be big. 
Very exciting stuff for sure. And heck, we'll definitely uh, circle in some hard knocks to talk during the month of <laughs> August because it really is that interesting. And again, a lot of these, uh, especially the coaching staff too, um, this is it for everybody. If this, If they don't make the playoffs, everyone's fired. And they're going to restart again. <laughs> Seriously, Everyone. you can't invest this much in it and lose. Maybe you have one more year because Rodgers yeah. will be yeah. signed for two years, but it's uh, it's it, it's a won't be looking TV. good. It won't be looking good if they poetic don't. justice indeed. But with that, Ryan, we have accomplished a lot today, and I want to thank yeah. you. And we will see you. Uh, the week after next, as we get ready for SummerSlam coverage Summer and Slam. our productive cast, and obviously the Barbenheimer reviews, because yes. <laughs> we have to comment on that. Absolutely. So once you see them both, and hopefully relatively soon. Yeah. Um, like if you could finish it by August, and I'll try to too. That would be great. So it is in the mind of everybody. Oh yeah, I'll we'll try. Yeah. I'll try. Well, we'll I'll let you know. I'll keep you updated. Same here, man. It's going to be great. So thanks, Ryan, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you. Pretty, pretty good. Ryan Page, great job as always. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast on all podcasts and platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to check out exclusive content running this show across all social media platforms. We're on Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast, Twitter at Pod Convo Pod, and we're on TikTok. YouTube, and Facebook at Productive Conversations. So we will return to you next week with Chris Bailey as he is about to be a big star. And we're going to talk to him about the year of movies and TV so far. His cameo in No Hard Feelings starring Jennifer Lawrence and a lot of other great stuff after that. And then baseball next week as well. So we have good stuff coming for you. Let's just enjoy the middle part of July. Enjoy your summer weekend. Be safe. Don't do anything stupid and do the right thing. And celebrate this life because before you know it, it's going to be cold, dark, menacing, stressful because the winter is will be here. But not now. It is tropical, sunny, feel good here in the Northeast. And we're going to take advantage of it. I want to thank Ryan Page for his contributions to the show today. I want to thank Dolo, Renegade, Alex, DeJesus for his contributions behind the scenes. And I want to thank you, the greatest fans and listeners in the world, for always supporting us no matter what and always being there no matter what. You guys are the best, and we have a great future ahead. My name is Matt Brown. I am the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. I'll see you all on Tuesday. Much love, everybody. Peace. All she needed was some.